Today's episode of Market Talk is brought to you by Growmark FS. Keeping up on the latest in ag is a challenge, to say the least. But there are experts nearby ready to help. You'll find them at your local FS. You can trust them to bring you customized agronomic, grain, and energy solutions born of the latest thinking. That's because FS specialists receive continuous training that keeps them current on the latest trends, practices, and technologies. So you'll get local expertise that's both exceptional and up-to-date. Visit FSSystem.com to learn how FS is bringing you what's next. Bringing you the ag information you need, this is Market Talk. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. On Friday, we saw a mixed market trade, quiet market trade, headed into a three-day holiday weekend. Welcome into Market Talk. Thanks so much for being here with us once again. I'm your host, Jesse Allen, and a lot to digest here on the show today. It's been a busy week in the market trade and on friday headed into the three-day holiday weekend with martin luther king jr day on monday we had a fairly quiet market trade fairly mixed not as much of a bullish follow-through euphoria considering we saw a bullish response to usda's january numbers on thursday didn't get that for the most part on friday It was a more muted, quiet, choppy trade on the day. Livestock were mixed on the session, some pressure in the cattle market. Outside markets were quiet on the day Friday, especially after the University of Michigan's Consumer Sentiment Index came out on Friday morning and was overall positive for the market trade. We're going to discuss the market action as we wrapped up the week coming up here on the show today. Tommy Grisafi, Advanced Trading, is going to join us here as we get going into the show later on in the show today. Today to really dive into the markets and provide his perspective of just the crazy week we've had with all the USDA data and more. We'll get to Tommy coming up here later on in the program. First up, though, let's get some thoughts from Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at StoneX. I talked to Arlen around midday on Friday, and we started our conversation looking at the grain trade and the lack of follow-through that we saw on Friday's session. Here's Arlen Suderman of StoneX. Definitely not what the bulls really would have liked to have seen following yesterday's report. You want to see several days of sustained movement, and we're really struggling to do that. Uh, Old crop soybean prices are are higher. Corn prices trying to be higher. Kansas City wheat, but not a lot of conviction to it or anything. Uh, And and you're right. In a three-day holiday weekend, maybe some people are are reluctant to really build anything ahead of a three-day holiday weekend when the news can change, but the markets are closed. But that also states the lack of conviction in these markets. And it seems like no matter what the story, um, rallies are still meant to be sold. I guess the big exception to that has been soybeans, which continue to outperform my expectations, considering the size of the Brazilian crop, even with a, a short Argentine crop. How about in livestock here today? Uh, this cattle market's been under pressure, drifting this week, and uh, I've been watching feedlot country as well, trying to see if we can get any business going there. What are you seeing uh, over in this protein sector as we head to the holiday weekend? Well, first of all, we're trading around $157. From a historical standpoint, that's a pretty high level. But uh, when you look at it from a near-term level, what we were anticipating this week was that cash prices for cattle would be steady to higher once again. 
Uh, instead, we're starting to see quite a bit of cattle trade open up this morning at around 156. That would be in the Southern Plains, which would be down a dollar from the previous week. And so that's kind of finishing the week on a negative tone. You look at the charts and looking a little bit a little bit top heavy with this late uh, slow close or a week close on this Friday ahead of a three-day holiday weekend. So we'll have to see how we hold up as we come back and resume trading on Tuesday. But cash trade a little bit disappointing to close out the week. Arlen, I know as well, Michigan's Consumer Sentiment Index out on Friday morning. Uh, what what did we see with those numbers? Has it been a fairly positive reaction? It, it seems like that's been the case, but I wonder as we look a little bit deeper into those numbers, what are your thoughts? Yeah, we did see some improvement in consumer sentiment, and that's going to be critical for monetary policy and, and for the markets. Uh, the Consumer Sentiment Index from University of Michigan came in at 646 up from 59.7 last month and up from analyst expectations of 60. Uh, The biggest improvement was in the current conditions um, index, which went from 59.4 up to 68.6, although we saw a little bit of an increase in the expectations index for six months down the road. Overall, consumers are feeling better about their near-term finances they're feeling a little bit better about longer-term inflation expectations. They see inflation working way lower, and a lot of that's because we've overall seen lower gasoline prices, lower energy prices, and they're starting to get desensitized to some of the inflation that's still in the system. That's kind of human nature just to kind of get used to things, and so sentiment is slowly climbing higher. And again, that's comments and analysis with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at StoneX. A look at a few news headlines here before we uh, head to break on the show today. House Republicans with huge Democratic support passed a ban on U.S. strategic petroleum reserve sales to China following a raucous debate over President Biden's energy policies. 113 Democrats joined 218 Republicans to pass the petroleum reserve China ban. Just 97 Democrats voted no. The naysayers led by New Jersey's Frank Pallone blamed Republicans for soaring energy prices now eased, plaguing everyone from commuters to farmers the last two years. Prior to 2015, when the Republicans lifted the ban on exports of crude oil, we had that ban in place for 40 years, 40 years. And then in 2015, they came in and they lifted the ban. So they caused this problem. And during the Trump administration, the amount of crude oil that was sold to China was unbelievable. Democrats argued the GOP bill failed to go after other adversaries like Iran and North Korea and would go nowhere in the Democrat-controlled Senate. But Republican leader Steve Scalise blamed the president for waging war against American energy. President Biden was okay with pipelines from Russia to Europe, but he said no on day one to a pipeline from Canada to America. So all of these actions had a cost. As Scalise slammed a stack full of Biden regulations on the table in front of him. Department of Energy went after American Energy, Department of Energy Regulatory Commission, the Securities and Exchange Commission through woke policies going after American Energy, the Department of Agriculture, yes, went after American Energy in these rules and regs, the Council on Environmental Quality, the Department of State, that gets to the Keystone Pipeline. Adding EPA and the Departments of Justice and Interior, arguing depleting the Strategic Petroleum Reserve forced the president to plead with adversaries, including Saudi Arabia, to pump more oil. 
And also one other headline story from today in agriculture from 2015 to 2021, the median total household income for commercial U.S. farms rose an estimated 16%, $278,339 from $238,994. Commercial farms earn more than $350,000 gross cash farm income, regardless of the principal operator's occupation. USDA's Economic Research Service reports that in 2021, the median total household income for commercial farms remained above the median income of $75,201 for all U.S. households. Farm households rely on a combination of on-farm and off-farm sources of income. On-farm income is determined by farm costs and returns that vary from year to year. And at any given year, a majority of farm households report negative farm income. Off-farm sources, including wages, non-farm business earnings, dividends, and transfers, are the main contributor to household income for most farm households. Because households operating commercial farms rely mostly on on-farm sources of income, they experience the largest shocks in household income when farm sector income rises or falls. Well, coming up next, we are going to dive back into the market trade. Tommy Grisafi with Advanced Trading. He is our guest analyst, and he joins us after the break. Back with more Market Talk right after this. The market news and analysis you need here on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. Well, it has definitely been a newsworthy week in the market trade between all the USDA data and consumer price data out this week. And just looking at the overall trade reaction on Friday, relatively quiet headed into a three-day holiday weekend. We have a lot to discuss here on the show and pleased to welcome back into Market Talk, Tommy Grisafi with Advanced Trading and Ag Bull Media. Tommy, Happy New Year, sir. Hope you're doing well. Thanks for being on the show. Hey, Jess, I'm, I am doing well, and thank you for uh, having me on. I'm not as good at talking on this microphone as you are, but we're going to give her a whirl. <laughs> hey, I, you know what? As long as we can hear you and you can uh, you can talk about these markets, that's all we, we need here on the show today. And I can do that. Yeah, I uh, man, I it's hard for me to pick where to start because we've obviously had a lot of news this week in the markets. I think... Just in general, my feeling with the grains, we obviously got some bullish surprises out of the USDA data Thursday uh, and a good day Thursday. But then Friday, it just felt like we didn't have a lot of follow through to what we saw on Thursday. I, I just wonder your thoughts on that. Do you agree? What What is your feeling as we wrapped up the week and headed into the holiday weekend, Tommy? Yeah, I think a lot of people forget that Martin, Martin Luther King Day, that we're going to close the markets. And over the years, this market used to be open, grains would be open, bonds be closed, but we're closed. It's a, it's a holiday, and South American weather is going to be a big topic when we mm -hmm. come back. And uh, hopefully nothing crazy happens in Ukraine. That's really quieted down over there, Jesse. I mean, I'm sure there's still lots of bad things happening over there, but as far as the news coverage saying uh as far as it comes to grains, the ports are open and we're moving grain out of there. So all eyes on South American weather as we celebrate the holiday here in the States. I do believe all markets are closed. I just received yep. an email saying that grains will reopen, I believe, Monday night at 7 o'clock. So we're going to have a long holiday. South American weather will have to be processed. Could be bullish, could be bearish. We'll see. Time will tell. 
Yeah, I think time will tell. And, you know, with those numbers we got on Thursday, Tommy, uh, as I said, you know, some bullish surprises there. I think caught a few folks off guard, to, to be quite okay. honest, there with what USDA had. I mean, talk about your reaction to what we saw between the WASDI report, quarterly grain stocks, winter wheat seedings. What stood out to you as the biggest surprise? The, the biggest surprise is that with all the knowledge and all the technology out there, that corn was down six cents right before the report and the second the report came out corn was up six and up 16 that there's still a big gap between how the usda figures out its numbers and versus someone like the pro farmer crop tour or private companies when they have the ability to say hey there was 1.3 1.4 million 1.5 million less acres harvested that changes the balance sheet and i think what several anal analysts and experts were leaning on is that demand was down and the markets can go lower, which is true. But when they took out that harvested acre number, that was kind of the big surprise. Now, of course, bean stocks became a little tighter and they were pretty tight uh, going into it. That's why we have a 15 in front of it. And everyone keeps feeling, myself included, or at least I'll speak for myself, I keep feeling like the grain market's going to fall apart and uh, the front end's doing well. When I say front end, I mean old crop prices are doing well. If you look into later this year and then in multiple years forward the markets were much lower for example no 23 beans were lower yet march uh, 23 beans were up 14. so uh, a big difference between old crop and new crop the market wants your grain right now and it says you know what in a year i think there'll be a lot more corn that's why dece 23 is around 595. so with that in mind looking at some of the the spread there between old and new crop i mean it feels to me like it would make sense for a farmer to take a look at their balance sheet, take a look at everything here, and and maybe try to get some risk management in place, lock in some floors, whatever the case may be, just to try and protect some of the profit potential that is out there currently, Tommy, in case the market does start to kind of fall apart. Absolutely. I got two things on my desk that are my favorites. Coffee, one, I want to have a sip of. And two, what you're asking the farmer to do, take that pencil, sharpen that pencil. I have an old school electric pencil sharpener. I write in pencil all day and go through numbers and just figure out, here's the key right here. If you sell your old crop grain and get and put that money in the bank to pay down operating, and some guys don't have operating, then that's awesome. The bank will give you four or 5% interest. So if you have a hundred grand, you could put it in a six month CD at four and a half percent. If you have a million dollars extra cash, I would rather at this point, and I'm only speaking for myself, I'd rather have the cash, not have to worry about the market, put the money in a CD, earn interest, which is something new. You're, you're too young to remember when interest rates were high. And I'm even too young, even at 50 years old, I've never really had to deal with high interest rates. And then go buy a call or a call option. Then your risk is managed. The opposite of that is physically holding the grain in your bin. And there's a great cost in storing millions of dollars of that commodity. And the young farmers are like, wow, that's really interesting. The old farmers understand this. They just haven't had the opportunity to do this in 15 years. The young farmers are like, the bank will really give me that much money because I'm working with several young guys right now. They have an extra $500,000 cash and they're prepaid on stuff. They're like, this is incredible. That's okay. Keep your money. You may need it for a rainy day.
Very true. That's a great point. And thinking as well, looking just overall, you mentioned South American weather at the top, and it feels like this Argentine situation just keeps getting worse. I think the latest updates, crop conditions, 7% of corn, good to excellent, 4% of beans, good to excellent. As you look at what's going on with Argentina, then the flip side, Brazil, talking record soybean crop, still got a safrina corn crop to be planted to go. I mean, we look at that whole situation, Tommy. What is your feeling with what you're hearing out of South America right now and how that could just parlay itself into our trade here in the U.S. and the global dynamic overall? Well, we know that China is really depending on South America for a lot of grain right now. And when Argentina has this hiccup, it tremendously affects meal because they export so meal. But on the flip side, Brazil's doing very well. And so we have the haves and have-nots down there. I guess the scary scenario would have been if Brazil planted as much as they did and had a big crop, and then if Argentina had a big crop. But we still, we're going to finish up Brazil's crop. They look like they're going to have a good one there in beans but argentina it's the haves and have nots down there in south america it's going to definitely play into the world numbers the usda posted the world numbers matter of fact just the usda posted what they thought south americans numbers were those may change a lot if that mm-hmm. crop doesn't improve so they're gently backing into that bad argentina crop and i think they have brazil pretty much earmarked for good things On the wheat side, I've heard from some farmers. I heard some talk across the countryside. Still some farmers hanging on to some wheat. Uh, Those winter wheat seedings numbers, those were something to look at as well on Thursday. What's your feeling in this wheat market here as we uh, head to the holiday weekend, Tommy? I I think wheat is acting strange. It uh, it was down a lot before that number yesterday on Thursday and popped. It 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 did act well today, but it acted well like Kansas City was up seven. The board was up or down one or two. Minneapolis was struggling. After seeing last year's wheat prices, to the American farmer, to the Canadian farmer, to anyone, seven, eight dollar wheat feels like uh, horrible. But you have to remember many times in people's career, they've sold four or five dollar wheat. So seven dollar wheat feels super cheap. The problem with wheat is it can continue to go lower as Russia is going to flood the market with wheat. And I do feel looking back after everything that's happened the last 10, 12 months, that we were never running out of wheat when wheat went from $8 to 14 But the function of the market, these new exchange-traded funds that where someone can go buy WHEAT or something like that on the New York Stock Exchange or one of the stock exchanges. I miss speaking there, but you can go buy corn, wheat, you can go buy different things. They're tied to the futures. It just got too panicked. Again, India said they weren't going to export wheat. But then when you read the numbers, Jess, they said, we're not going to export wheat to bad people who we don't like. But if you really need wheat and ask nicely, we'll sell it to you. But that that Sunday night when India said they weren't going to export wheat, we opened 70 cents higher in wheat. But we're not having that type of panic or uh, the markets come to realization that there's wheat in the world. And if uh, every night when I get my night runs at advanced trading, I see that people do tenders and there's 10 companies in the world trying to, you know, Egypt or someone will tender for wheat. And there's countries all over, not countries, companies all over the world that have wheat to sell them. So if they tendered and everyone said, we just don't have it, well, we'd be back to $12, $14. But this is why Board of Trade Wheat's right where it is, KC, Minneapolis. I think they're fairly priced. And I think you have a farmer who's disappointed in the price. And if you're out in the West, 
you're really mesmerized because it's so dry out there, as you know. That's Tommy Grisafi of Advanced Trading and Agbol Media. We're having a conversation with him, and we will continue that conversation coming up here after the break as we continue on with our market discussion here on Market Talk. Back with more right after this. Why are more people heating their homes with FS Propane? Because it's better to work with a company that lives and works in the same community that you do. When it comes to the comfort of your family, trust FS. We have highly trained service professionals who monitor your system for proper operation, safety, and maximum efficiency, so you can be sure that FS Propane will leave your family with a good, warm feeling all season long. Contact your local FS Propane specialist today. FS Propane feels like home. Visit fspropane.com for more information. Keeping you informed with the latest market information for your operation. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to Market Talk. Jesse Allen with you here. Tommy Grisafi, Advanced Trading, is our guest here today. We're going to continue that conversation with Tommy in just a second. Want to first take a look at the closing numbers on Friday, and those will be our numbers we will be watching here all the way through till uh, we get back to trading here after the Monday Martin Luther King Jr. holiday. No markets uh, open again on Monday. Finals from Friday's market trade. Let's start with corn. March corn, four higher, six. 75. July quart up two and a quarter, 663 and three quarters. New crop December quart up two and a half, 598 and a half. Soybeans March up nine and a quarter, 1527 and three quarters. July soybeans six and a half higher at 1525. New crop November beans down three and a quarter at 1393. Soybean meal March down five dollars a ton, 476.30. March bean oil down 19 points, 6306. Chicago wheat, March, one higher, 743 and three quarters. July, Chicago wheat was down a half a penny, 753 and three quarters. March, Kansas City wheat, eight and three quarters higher, 843 and three quarters. July, KC wheat up seven and a half, 835. Spring wheat, March, down four and three quarters, 907 and a half. July, spring wheat was down six at 895 and a quarter. March, oats up two and three quarters, 364. March, canola down 240 at 840 even. Looking over at the cotton market as well, that was up 25 points in March at 82.29. Livestock trade on Friday, live cattle February up 17, 157.72. April down two at 160.90. June live cattle up 15, 157.05. August live cattle up 40, 157.40. January feeder cattle down 87, 181.25. March feeders down 140, 182.87. April feeder cattle down 135 at 187.05. And over in the hog market, Market on Friday, February was down 10, 78.65. April hogs up 10, 87.27. May lean hogs up 595.15, and June lean hogs were unchanged at 103.87. So again, overall, Friday's trade action, fairly muted, uh, fairly mixed, quiet trade action scene. Crude oil up a little over 1%. Stock market was quiet as well when things settled down on Friday's trade. 
All right, let's get back to our market conversation. Joining us today, Tommy Grisafi with Advanced Trading and Agbull Media as well. Tommy, let, let's talk a little bit on the livestock side. I want to also talk the economy with you too, but livestock, cattle, hogs, fairly choppy week. Uh, what do you think is, uh, what is your thought in this protein sector as we kind of head to the holiday weekend, I know cash country cattle trade's been struggling a little bit this week, been waiting on it, waiting on it, waiting on it. What are you thinking right now in cattle and hogs, Tommy? Well, I got to throw one extra in there. Eggs. I saw yeah. this talk on TikTok and Twitter about eggs, and then I drove to the store, and they really were high. I was shocked. Eggs at our store were $6, 7 8 for the fancy ones. Saw a couple $5 a dozen eggs, and you're like, uh-oh, what's wrong with those? They must be all cracked or something. <laughs> eggs used to be the thing that were $0.99, cents, $1.50, $2. Yep. Milk used to be a lot less. The whole protein sector has a story from eggs to milk to hogs to beef. Obviously, beef's a premium protein. Not everyone in the world can just go afford to go buy your best cuts of uh, beef. But we have become a hamburger nation, a hamburger uh, world. I don't know many people unless they're vegetarian or for some reason that don't love a nice juicy hamburger and that's still affordable. It, it bums me out to see the front end of the hog market so low, but if you look out to the June numbers, they're much better. I notice anyone, I don't see a lot of people I know trading hogs, making a ton of money. I'm sure there's someone out there who's a great hog trader. I see our clients hedging live cattle, and they also, on one of those big pops this week, uh, hedge some feeder cattle. So these are hedgeable levels if you actually have the animals. Now, if you've sold your herd, trying to replace it's very difficult for people who are in drought stricken areas the price you have to go pay to get that uh, herd back is very expensive and the numbers don't make sense when someone goes that way but if you own uh, the mamas the daddies the babies life's not not too bad as a cattleman but uh, there's all different not everyone has as good as the next guy that's what I'm trying to say Jess yeah, I know, too, on Thursday, a lot of folks were looking at the feed numbers and trying to see how that would correlate into cattle. A lot of folks are still very bullish this cattle market here heading into 23 with, you know, lower supplies out there. Did you see anything with the feed numbers and just how that is maybe working itself into this uh, cattle market a little bit, Tommy? I didn't really see anything that catches my eye. I, I know that uh, definitely the the punch in the face was it was common sense that demand was down. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden we see uh, that the acreage was down. Other than that, these are very small adjustments to the numbers that they made. The problem is stocks overall and grain are still pretty tight. And so when it comes to cattle, the uh, cattleman's going to have to pay one more year of higher grain prices. And then it looks like after that, things really start to calm down. But yes, the scenario for cattle is not bearish and they seem to be gently going up week after week just a little bit better in the next tommy let's talk the economy overall because that's going to tie into everything i know on friday we got university of michigan's consumer sentiment index that rose the consumer price index out thursday saw the decline there on the surface all these numbers look like they're positive for the market but i wonder is there something underlying here we're not seeing what's your thoughts with some of this economic data we've gotten here this week well the economy's slowing down there's some really nice beneficial things i notice uh, gas prices have come down tremendously diesel some of the food cost as we had talked about eggs are still higher uh, the american consumer is being plagued with uh, just an overall 
higher cost of everything. That means they may not be able to buy uh, one item or two items. You're going to have your basic things you're going to pay for, your housing, uh, your food, your, your utilities. But I will tell you this. I have several friends who are real estate agents, and they are saying that it's completely come to a standstill. And scarier mm -hmm. than that is even though real estate's been really slow in our area, in the Midwest, there's very little inventory on the market. And that's kind of the conundrum in the real estate market is that, hey, who wants to go out in uh, Nashville and get an 8% mortgage on some, some house or condo that's doubled in value the last few years? And so things are slowing down. But yet when you look at like Zillow or something, there's not where I live in my neighborhood, there's maybe 500 homes. There's maybe 10 for sale. Mm -hmm. And the buyer isn't showing up to buy these homes and the seller's like, but Hey, there's not many here. And so it's kind of real estate's come to a halt and I'm definitely, uh, people involved in that industry are uh, struggling also restaurants, you know, tough. So the overall economy, what do I feel? I think the consumer, the consumer's feeling a little better with gas prices. The stock markets had uh, some good days because the federal reserve looks to be uh, taking their foot off the gas. They're hinting at maybe a couple more quarter percent rises, that's why you can get so much on a short end on that six-month T-bill. But when you look at the 30-year note, yields 10 years from now, 15, 30 years are much lower. So to me, it looks like the economy is pricing in a little bit of a recession. And the stock market's actually taken off. Uh, it, the stock market had a horrible year last year. It's gaining mm -hmm. a little bit of that back as people are uh, bottom-picking uh, certain key stocks. You mentioned gas prices. I know uh, WTI crude has kind of been hovering in the $70, $80 range. I know it's near 80 here as we wrap up the week. What A lot of folks think this crude oil market's kind of that canary in the coal mine, so to speak. What's your thoughts with, with just how this crude market has kind of been stuck in this sideways range here for the last couple of weeks? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, crude oil is very important. It's a Everybody in the world needs it. It's when you look at the economy, you kind of think crude oil, copper, um, something that's not obviously you can't put in your car and burn or in a plane, but gold, gold had an yeah. abnormally big week. I think last time I looked, gold was around 1915 an ounce. And with the whole crypto uh, burning down and melting and, and, and people watching this uh, Madoff special on Netflix, I think people are looking for good old fashioned conservative investments. And if that means putting some money in the bank and just earning interest, that's really conservative. And thank God there is interest. I mean, interest is a two edged sword, Jess, you're either earning it or you're either paying it. And if you're young and in a lot of debt, you're, you're not happy about owing money. If you're old and have a lot of cash, you're like, this is wonderful. I bring my money to the bank and they send me extra home. So there's people who need a lot of cash and a lot of money are really having a hard time dealing with these increased interest rates. And that, of course, would be a lot of the people listening to this show, the American farmer or anyone involved in agriculture is dealing with an incredible amount of dollars because they put the crop in in 23 and a record high cost of production, record high labor costs, still incredibly hard to get labor, good quality, quality labor. High cost production, cash rents are going up, a lot of things going up. And then, like you and I talked about earlier, the grains were in a little bit of a slump till that report and it gave them a little boost in the arm. So a very expensive year to farm and dealing with big dollars. Keep an eye on those dollars, sharpen your pencil and uh, get ready to have a good 23. But we're going to need the bushels to uh, help us be profitable. 
Well, I think on that note, that feels like a good spot to uh, wrap it up here today. Tommy, if folks want to reach out to you and uh, get some advice with their trading there at Advanced Trading, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Yep. Uh, 1-800-664-4383. I live in the Midwest in Valparaiso, Indiana, and I also have a place in office in Fargo, North Dakota, which I hear you'll be traveling to this weekend. Yeah, I'm I'm heading up there and got some uh, got some meetings to attend to, and so I'll get to enjoy the uh, the snow and the cold for a couple of days. I look forward to it. Sounds good, <laughs> Tommy. Hey, always a pleasure. Thanks for uh, being on the show again here today, and uh, we'll get you back on soon. Thanks so much. Sounds good. Thank you, my friend. And again, that's Tommy Grisafi, Advanced Trading. Appreciate him being on the show today. Again, you can learn more. Advanced-trading.com is another way to find out more and get in touch. Well, coming up here on the show before we wrap things up, going to take a look at a few more news headlines. We'll be back with more Market Talk on the way right after the break. Keeping you informed with the latest market information for your operation. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to Market Talk. Thanks again to Tommy Grisafi with Advanced Trading for joining us here on the program today and providing his thoughts, market analysis headed into the holiday weekend. And it'll be interesting to see where these markets continue to go now that the USDA reports are behind us and seemingly already digested into the trade. Be curious to see what trade action looks like when things reopen on Tuesday. Well, agriculture faces a handful of issues in 20. 23, according to the American Farm Bureau Federation, during a panel discussion at the AFBF annual convention in Puerto Rico, AFBF chief economist Roger Cryan told attendees that global food security is rising. After decades of improvement in food security around the world, we've got growing numbers of folks who are not really finding it easy to feed themselves and their family. There's been a big bump. About 200 million more people were food insecure in the world in 2021 than there were three or four years before that. And there's a lot of things behind that. After 40 years of good fortune, Cryan says there are many challenges in 2023. The fall of the Soviet Union opened up markets in those former Soviet republics, the same Soviet Union that couldn't feed itself and had to buy grain from the U.S. in the 70s. Now Russia and Ukraine are two of the world's breadbaskets. We've got continuing benefits from the Green Revolution and biotech and precision ag. We've had benefits, enormous benefits from the expansion of free trade that allows folks to do what they do best. We've had stable growth and stable inflation, and we've had a lot of peace. And now we've got a lot of challenges. Cryan says the Russia-Ukraine war is one of the bigger challenges, among others. War has hit us in a very tough spot in terms of world food supplies because not only have been grains cut off and production will be down in Ukraine next year, fertilizer supplies from those parts of the world are also been cut off. There's been a move away from free markets in places like China and Russia. We're falling behind on free trade. Free trade is no longer popular. We have perceived environmental challenges and real environmental challenges. We have a growing population and not only is the population growing, but they demand a better diet. And we have rising farm input costs. And inflation and interest rates are another challenge facing the economy and agriculture. We are facing the highest inflation we've faced in 40 years. That was all because the Federal Reserve Bank chose to stimulate demand in the economy where supply was the issue. And now they're trying to deal with it by raising interest rates. These interest rates that the Fed sets really have a big impact on short-term interest rates, which raises the cost of operating loans and so forth. But it also, the combination of uh, rising inflation, 
And the higher short-term interest rates has contributed to higher long-term interest rates. Hopefully, these have already peaked, but all that is promising some problems in 2023 and 2024. We'll be talking about the cost of credit in 2025 and beyond. We'll be talking about the burden of debt. Still, there are positives for farmers and ranchers. U.S. agriculture facing record production costs also enjoys record farm income. AFBF advises farmers to plan, know your break-even points, manage controllable variables, and preserve working capital. Also, more news coming from the American Farm Bureau Federation Convention. The uh, AFBF and Agriculture Future of America signed a memorandum of understanding during the 2023 convention. The agreement launches a collaborative effort between AFBF and AFA to drive engagement among their constituents and further the missions of both organizations. Mark Stewart, president and CEO of Agriculture Future of America, says the MOU formalized the work the organizations already partner on. This does two things. One, it formalizes their intentionality to support young people pursuing careers in this industry. We've had a relationship and a partnership with Farm Bureau for many years. This just shows the intentionality behind it and their commitment to it. But in a formal sense, it just documents all the things that we said we were committed to doing. The MOU heightens AFBF and AFA efforts in building leaders for the agriculture industry through cross-promotional efforts of organizational objectives and events. We've got a lot of industry that support our organization, and they want these young people to either to be hires of theirs or uh, to be customers of theirs. And so, in a general sense, the exposure that we can give them to who is representing this industry, what the issues are, where the jobs and internships and experiences are, all those things, broadens the perspective of a young person, right? So that, that's step one. Step two is not every AFA student that comes through one of our experiences is going to go back to the farm. Uh, they may, um, but they're in some way, shape, perform going to make this industry better. Stewart says getting youth excited about careers in agriculture takes the entire sector. That really starts well before we're engaged with young people. We engage with college students and young professionals. They've already made the decision. They're already committed. It really needs to start much, much earlier. We hosted a dialogue on human capital over a decade ago with the Farm Foundation, and one of the panelists then, this is the one that struck me, every kid growing up in the 70s and 80s wanted to be an astronaut. How do we make ag the new NASA? Uh, how do we get that kind of exposure to young people, especially when less and less of them are coming from production agriculture backgrounds? And so that's the challenge collectively for a lot of us. And he added that education through telling your story, much like AFBF encourages, can help educate others about the opportunities in agriculture beyond the farm. There's just this notion that everybody has of agriculture when they have zero experience in agriculture, that it is farming. It is hard work and it is all those things. But my challenge to the listeners would be, how do we continue to tell our stories, but then open that door and that window to, and oh, by the way, there's tons of need for great young people to enter this industry, either to take over my farm or to go work for the company companies that I buy seed from or to come up with new innovations that will make us even better for this planet. And again, that's Agriculture Future of America President and CEO Mark Stewart talking about the MOU, the Memorandum of Understanding that AFA signed with the American Farm Bureau Federation during the AFBF Annual Convention in San Juan, Puerto Rico. And finally, here on the show today, Culver's Thank You Farmers Project has now eclipsed $4 million raised since its creation in 2013 through initiatives organized by Culver's on a system-wide level and the fundraising efforts of local restaurants throughout 2022. The program raised $750,000 toward its mission of advocating for the positive impact agriculture has on the world. Proceeds raised through the Thank You Farmers Project directly support those actively bringing positive change to the agriculture industry. 
Now, these beneficiaries include groups making a difference with agriculture efforts in Culver's local communities, as well as national organizations working to advance the industry on a broader scale, like the National FFA Organization and U.S. Farmers and Ranchers in Action. And again, great stuff there from Culver's Thank You Farmers Project. Well, that's going to do it for Market Talk here today. Reminder, no markets on Monday for Martin Luther King Jr. Day. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Have a fantastic rest of your day. Why are more people heating their homes with FS Propane? Because it's better to work with a company that lives and works in the same community that you do. When it comes to the comfort of your family, trust FS. We have highly trained service professionals who monitor your system for proper operation, safety, and maximum efficiency, so you can be sure that FS Propane will leave your family with a good, warm feeling all season long. Contact your local FS Propane specialist today. FS Propane feels like home. Visit fspropane.com for more information.